in the Bible his name meant my God is Jehovah he's God he's Lord over every situation over every problem over every sickness he's God amen he's my God but you know one thing about him that he said I'll not just be your God but he said I'm going to call you my children so you know we even have a greater relationship than just an object of worship because we have a father amen and he owns us he says you're mine he recognizes you identifies himself with you he wants to identify himself with you today amen let's just pray father it's in the name of Jesus that we come That is the most wonderful name that could be put on human lips today or any time. Ever since the name was revealed, the name of God as Savior, the God of the new covenant, the God who washes away our sins and gives us of his own life, birthing us into the family. I pray your blessings upon us today. And that you would anoint us with your spirit, Lord. And as we look into you, Lord, may you speak to us. There are many, many needs, Lord, in the body of Christ. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll minister to every need. Those that are watching, listening in, some of them, Lord, would love to be here in service today, but are shut in and can't. I pray you'll go to their room where they're at. Lord, Oh, God, some of them are not even in this state, but another. But, Lord, they can't go to church or up in age, and and they can't travel. But, Lord, you know their need. Some of them are here, right here in this state. Some of our assembly not able to come. You know their need, Father. And I just pray you'll minister to them as only you can. Send forth your Holy Spirit. Lord, we're so glad that you can be here and there. At the same time, because you're omnipresent, 
Lord, that you can be with us, even in us, to the end of the world. So I pray, Lord, that you'll just come down in the room wherever your people have gathered. In this room today where we have gathered. May your Holy Spirit have preeminence. Speak to hearts and lives. Reveal yourself, we pray, in Jesus' name. Asking, Lord, that you would bless the word as we would read it. Lord, bless the word as we hear it. And Lord, may it be applied to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Good to see you, Brother Craig, already on the screen back there. And, and uh, have all your family here. So we just happy that you're able to be with us. God bless you. Isn't it good to be a Christian? I don't know what I would do if I wasn't a Christian. Amen. Life would be certainly miserable, and uh, we, we, I tell you, we, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. Amen. There must be something going on real special at uh, Brother Mark, Sister Michelle's house this week, so got grandparents in. We want you to feel so welcome today. Each one of you that is assembled with us, may God bless you in a very special way and speak to you as only he can. He wants to reveal himself to you, and I know that he will do it. Amen. Because you're his children, and he cares about you, and knows about your need, and able to minister to you in a very special, personal way. And I pray that he will do it today. I, before I read the scripture, I just received this from Brother Ron Spencer yesterday. He shared this quote with me and Brother Donnie Reagan. And it explains why we do what we do. And Brother Branham said this, so what are you worrying about, Brother Branham? Why did you preach so hard when you're going to this, oh, I can't go home satisfied. I I mustn't go by myself. These hands will be only mortal once. And these lips will only be mortal once. And you, my brother and sister, will only be mortal once. And while this spirit inside of me, though through tired flesh and weary hours, cries to you, it is only for one thing, and that is to bring you into this fellowship here, not to bring you into the church, but to bring you into Christ that in there you have a hope, steadfast and sure. It's anchored by an oath of God. He confirmed it and run the forerunner yonder, showing who he was and raised him up on the last, on that, that day there, the resurrection. And it proved that we who are in him will come forth in the resurrection. And every man that comes to this veil now, justified in the sight of God, God looks down and says, I have glorified him already and set him yonder in heaven. (laughs) Amen. God looks down and says, I have glorified him already and set him yonder in heaven. That's what we want today is be in our position in Christ Jesus. Amen. If we can get positioned there, every devil is beneath our feet. We're more than conquerors there. 
Amen. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Thank you for all the wonderful music today and the worship to the Lord. And I know he was pleased and he draws near when we worship him. He'll come and dwell in the praises of his people. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of, of hyssop and, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood of on the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. God bless you. Can be seated. Amen. Today, I want to speak to you on the token applied and display. Last Sunday, we was talking about the token on display, and I want to cover that thought and subject a little more than what we, what we carried it on Sunday. I, you know, there's just so much that it's, it's such a vital, important subject because without the token, you can't go in the rapture. You may be saved from tribulation, but you won't go to the rapture. And um, as like Brother Branham said in this quote that we just read, you know, is, is that we don't want to go by ourselves. You know, and these hands will only be mortal once. These lips will be mortal but once. You will only be mortal but once. So this is our only opportunity. And so, uh, so he said, through the tired flesh and weary hours and cries to you, it's for one thing, and that is to give you, to bring you into Christ, that in there you are, have a hope that is steadfast and assured and anchored by the oath of God. Amen. To justify you in, your, in his sight and to place you into your position in Christ. Now, you know, then we have read from the book of Exodus, and we also know we are in an Exodus. And Brother Branham would preach this sermon, call it the highlight of his entire ministry. He would, um, he would tell us that of all of the sermons that had been leading up, except for the opening of the seals, that this was the, the, the capstone, the capping off of so many sermons. And that is that you must have the token. It is so of vital importance and, and how, how wonderful it is that we have this vital truth in this day and remembering this, that the token could only be applied in the evening time. So, you know, it was a closing out of time in the, the time also of the, the early um, dispensation where the Jewish dispensation was, was um, being... Uh, uh, was being uh, 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 seized and, and going out. And in that time, God gave a token, even, uh, even on the day of Pentecost we're talking about. Because, as you know, death was coming to Israel and to that whole form of religion. 
and they would all died except God would have given a token. And of course, that token would be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, of course, now we are in a day and hour where we are also now in another evening time. And this is also where another generation is dying. Death has been pronounced over the last age. And we see poised to ride is the death, is a rider called death as it will fully change to the pale horse rider as the bride leaves. And so we're, we're in that transition of time and it's a very, very serious hour. One of the most greatest hours there's ever been. And, and I, I want you to remember as Brother Branham brings this message, the token, he tells us, it, it has to be applied in the evening time. The evening time message, he says, is to apply the token. So we have come to another evening time and now a closing out of the Gentile dispensation. Now the Passover began and it would be followed by a feast of seven days of unleavened bread. And this, the feast of unleavened bread began with a holy day and it ends with a holy day, signifying the alpha is the omega and that the last day will be like the first. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread signifies a time of sincerity and truth. And I, I think this is very appropriate with us taking communion today, you know, again, because we, we want to come to Christ, our Passover, with sincerity and truth. And, he's, and, it, and he goes on, and we know that for seven full days, no leaven products remain in the home, and unleavened bread is eaten. And God's churches had to do this now for 2,000 years or seven church ages, and we are here, you know, at the very end of, those, of the feast of unleavened bread, as it were. And, um, you know, this symbolizes removing sin from our lives and dining on Christ's unadulterated truth, which is the Passover. Now, the instructions are to take a lamb without blemish and to keep it up for, for five days and, and then it, while you examine the lamb. And, and of course, we... We know this has been a part of other uh, ages and in the reformers where they come to realize that it was Christ and his blood that was important and that we are justified by faith. And so, you know, we had the keeping of the lamb and examining the lamb and, and many denominations are really good at this. They they talk about the worthy lamb and how Christ is, is our, our true lamb and he was without blemish and his blood atones and, and everything else to, uh, about that. But we are now in another day and another hour. And that hour is not just about Calvary and what God did 2,000 years ago. But right now that the, the token or the blood or the life of Christ must be on display. Now, we noticed in the verse 22 of what we just read that he said, and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop 
or hyssop and, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. So here is careful instructions. You're going to apply it with hyssop. Now, the token must be applied by hyssop because you see hyssop is a type of faith. So we, we want to understand and realize the importance of faith in the whole process. But I, I want you to notice it is not just taking hyssop and holding hyssop in your hand. Neither is it just striking it with hyssop. It must be dipped in the blood and the blood applied. So it is not just faith alone, but it also is, it must have the blood applied and on display. So without it, all the believing is in vain. Hyssop without the blood is not going to save you. All right. So notice it must be applied by hyssop. Hyssop's a type of faith. You must believe. You see, faith has its a vital part. It, he that comes to God must believe. Hebrews eleven six. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. So notice the first thing, coming to God, you must believe. Unless that you have hyssop, you cannot apply the blood. You've got to have faith. It is applied with faith. It's very vital and important, but that's not all of it. And here's, here lays the problem today is a lot of people are waving their hyssop and said, I've had faith in the Lord, but have never dipped it into the life of Christ and applied it. So they have a profession of faith holding their hyssop up, but hyssop without the blood is not going to save you. Now, so he said he must believe that he is. That's Hebrews eleven six. Put that up. And, but faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, not that he was, not that he will be. You're gonna if you're gonna get salvation, you're gonna have to have a present tense God. You're gonna have to bring him out of history to present tense. If you're gonna have healing in your body, you got to do the same thing. That's just salvation on your, on your body realm. To do that, you have to believe that he is. Not that he was or will be, but he is. A present tense God. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I know this already. If I will seek him diligently, he's going to reward me. If the day I seek him with my whole heart, that's the day I'll find him. Now, that's the problem many times is, is because people give up. They pray a few minutes. Even Brother Branham complained about that, said people come down to the altar, pray five minutes, and give up. He said, press in, persevere. We heard it Wednesday night on, you know, the importance of perseverance. You see, again, you must, because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want to withhold it from nobody. He wants everybody to get it. It is the heart of God to save man. God so loved the world. Come on. Amen. It's his heart. It's his desire. 
Amen. If you can even just get this on the physical realm, you'll just realize this morning, God wants to heal you. Well, God don't want to heal me, Brother Tim. No, God wants to heal you. God wants to save you. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. And he will reward those that diligently seek him. So now, John 3, 16, everybody knows this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So notice even God's purpose. His purpose wasn't to condemn, but to save. This is the heart of God. He's not wanting anybody to be lost. You have to fight your way to hell. Remember, you remember if you take the mark of the beast, it is because you rejected the seal of God. It's offered. It's available. And God wants you to have it. He even, he even likens it to a father and a son. And a son saying, I'm hungry. And he said, well, you know, if you ask him for an egg, would you give him a serpent? If you ask for bread, you know, would you give him something, something bad, a scorpion? What, if you offer, you know, would God do that? Or would your father do that? He said, no. Well, he said, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? Amen. So it is not God holding anything back from you. Well, God just won't give it to me, you know. You, you see, uh, again, that's not the issue. He cannot give it to you as long as sin nature is still living in you. There's got to be a death to the old man. So, you know, based, you know, based on this, uh, you know, as we look at this, look, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, that he believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. So it, there's a requirement of faith we must believe. Now, but, you know, to, today many are encouraged to pray this simple prayer. You know, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. And then they, then they say, well, we believe when you prayed this prayer, you got born again. Well, we don't. We don't. You see, the Bible doesn't teach that, and neither does the revealed truth of the message. Now, listen, church, there is a, a lot, a lot of misunderstanding about being born again. And Satan did everything he could to, to, to confuse it, to cloud it. So, you know, to, to them... Early on, you know, before the Reformation, even the Catholics proclaimed if you were born into the church and you were baptized as an infant and born into a Catholic family, you were automatically born again. So you see, the whole thing got convoluted and confused. Then Luther came along and he said, well, but the just shall live by faith. So now born again takes on a new meaning. 
that if we have faith in Jesus Christ, well, now we're born again. Then the Wesley comes along, and he comes along and says, uh, but you've got to be sanctified. You can't be born again and live in this kind of life. You, you've got to be born again. You believed on the Lord, but come on, get sanctified. So to others, it means sanctified. And, 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 and others, it means speaking in tongues. But listen, Brother Branham said in the message why it had to be shepherd. I know the terminologies of what born again is, but let's watch what happened in the Bible when they were born again. Peter was a believer. The apostles were believers, but they wasn't born again until after the Holy Ghost fell on them at Pentecost. So let's just get a clear understanding that the, the Bible teaches that the Holy Ghost has to come after believing. Amen. After believing. Let's go to Romans 10, 9. And we'll read this scripture. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, this, this is a very fundamental starting of the faith that I was talking about. And if you believe from the heart, confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you are going to be saved. For with the heart, the man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Who believe, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed or disappointed. Now, so, so again, it is very, very important, that confession. I, Lord, I, I'm going to accept you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And this is a very start. It's the turning around. You know, you're, you're headed this way, and you're going toward, toward the hell as it was. And, and repentance is turning around and going back this way, going toward heaven. You've got to turn your back to sin and to unbelief. Amen. You, you've got to accept him and say, Lord, I need salvation. I, I'm a sinner. I'm lost and I need a savior. Nobody can be saved until they first realize I'm lost. I need God. Now, Romans 4 and 3. For what said the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So notice Abraham believed God and his Faith here was counted to him as righteousness. But after believing, Abraham received the seal of circumcision. So what we are saying is after you believe, after your repentance, after your full surrenderance to God, then God will give you the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, he gave Abraham the seal of circumcision as a witness. It was a sign of the covenant. So it's like the token we're talking about, sign of the covenant. And, and so, in fact, he calls it a covenant. This shall be the, the, or he calls it a token. This shall be the token of the covenant. And there, that is the cutting off of the flesh. Now, so that is, that is why Paul in Acts 19 said to those Baptist brethren who had Apollos is their pastor and believe in the gospel as John had preached. John the Baptist said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You see, they had believed. They were, they were not yet 
converted. And for many Christians, I want you to be careful here and listen real close. For many Christians, Pentecost is an unneeded, it's like an unneeded event. Seemingly a wasted effort. It's, it don't mean anything. Why receive the Holy Ghost since all you have to do is believe on Christ as the Savior and confess in your mouth that he raised from the dead? So for many, Pentecost is not even needed. Just believing on the Lord is all that's necessary. The experience of Pentecost is unmerited. A wasted effort. Now, I want to just I want to lay some things down here for you because without Pentecost, you cannot have the Holy Ghost. You might have believed on the Lord, but without Pentecost, and, and I'm talking about the experience of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Ghost, you cannot go in the rapture. Nobody will go in the rapture without Pentecost. Now, let's just look at this real carefully. Because even though Jesus died and rose again and Calvary was thorough and complete, you still could not be born again until Pentecost. Jesus has shed his blood. Amen. The lamb had been slain. But until Pentecost, you could not be born again. Nobody, nobody could be born again until Pentecost. And nobody today can be born again without Pentecost. Anyone without the Pentecostal experience that follows repentance and profession of faith is still unconverted. Even though you might have performed the correct rite of baptism and... (laughs) used the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and went through all the works. With, without Pentecost, you are not converted. Now, remember the lamb. Let's go back for a moment. And let's think about the lamb. In the Old Testament, the worshiper's sin would be transferred from the worshiper to the lamb and the lamb died in his place. Right? Now, so... The Old Testament, I I want to get this clear. The Old Covenant, that's what a testament is, covenant. The Old Covenant had forgiveness of sins without Calvary. By the blood of an innocent lamb. God accepted the substitutionary death of a lamb in the place of the death of of the worshiper who deserved to die because of his sins. Now, so the Old Testament had forgiveness of sin. Now, here's what the Old Covenant brought. I want to just cover it for a minute. Leviticus 17, 11. Watch this. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11. And I have given it for you on the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So if you see right here that the, the life is in the flesh of the blood, I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. 
For it is the blood that makes an atonement. So they had an atonement even in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. But now let's see what it would do. Let's go to Leviticus 16 and 30. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Look how wonderful this is. Forgiveness of sins. An atonement for sin. Under the old covenant. Psalms 51 and 7 said, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So you see, by the transferring of the sin from the worshiper on the lamb and the lamb dying in your place, you were whiter than snow. You were clean. You were purged. Are you with me? Amen. You were clean from all your sins. This is what the Bible said. And look, not only that, but Habakkuk 2 and 4 says, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Oh, they were living by faith in the Old Testament. And they were declared righteous. Abraham was. Abraham believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. So there was faith in the Old Testament. Faith under the Old Covenant. And the just, the righteous lived by faith. And they were declared righteous because of their faith. Because they believed that when they laid their hands on the lamb and took his life, that the God had received their sacrifice, and now they were blameless before him. So this is all old covenant. Let's go to Isaiah 1.18. And he says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Ah, you know, this is offered under the old covenant. How thorough was it, Brother Tim? All right. Psalms 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so he removed our transgressions from us. This is what the blood of the Old Testament lamb would do for you. Without Jesus going to Calvary, without him dying in your place, the lamb, you would bring a lamb without blemish and your sins would be forgiven. You would be justified by faith. You would be declared righteous. That's what justified means, declared righteous. Let's look how thorough this is. Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions. And as a cloud thy sins return unto me for I have redeemed thee. So he blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions. Though your sins were many. Micah seven eighteen. Who is a God like unto thee? That pardoneth iniquities. Look, there's a pardon from iniquity in the old covenant. And passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Isn't that wonderful to know this God? A God who delights in mercy. 
And, and there again, that pardoneth iniquity. What about his memory? What, what, what about that? Isaiah 43, 25. I, yes, I am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and remembers your sins no more. This is so wonderful, church. This is, this is what you receive by believing on the Lord and accepting Christ as your Savior. Pardon for everything you ever did. Though it was like a thick cloud. God said, I don't even remember it anymore. Amen. You know, some people just need a good revelation of justification. Amen. That by faith, you know God has forgiven you of every sin, every evil thought, and though it was like a cloud, and though, it, though it's been a cloud following you all your life, you're forgiven, and he doesn't remember it. It's over. It's history. It's finished. But I want to tell you again, before Calvary, before the cross, through the substitutionary death of the animal lamb, the righteous, the just, live by faith. Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith. By believing on the Lord, it was imputed to him as righteousness through forgiveness of sin. Before the cross, catch this, before the cross, before Jesus' atonement, they had mercies of healing. Hello? Don't hang up on me. Catch the significance of this. God was Jehovah Rapha. God performed miracles under Moses, under the blood of sheep and goats. God performed spoken word, created flies. Amen. Changed the dust into lice. All, all the great things that he did, miraculous under the blood of bulls and goats. Oh, you know, Brother Tim, why is this even significant? Because Brother Branham tells us over and again, if you realize if that can be done under the blood of sheep and goats, then what about the greater blood? The blood of Jesus Christ. If that could position you as sinless before God, then what about the blood of Jesus, which is a greater blood? Amen. You brought a wonderful grandson to church this morning. God bless you, Brother Voice. You're here this morning. So glad to see you. Can you stand up with your little grandson? Brother Wiggins? Look at there. How old is he? Eight years old. I had, I, I was a raiser of prized animals. I had registered black angles. I had registered Nubian goats. They won a lot of trophies. 
You love that grandson? How many goats would you take for him? I had registered Black Angus top line. How many would you take for him? You wouldn't swap him for all that? You, are you telling me that my beautiful, wonderful, registered animals would not equal the blood of your grandson? Well, well I'll tell you what. All right, mine were valuable animals. But let's say I took every sheep, goat, calf, every clean animal offering, and I would offer it for that one. Would you take it? No. You see, all of the blood of every innocent animal no matter its value or its worth, it cannot equal the value of that one boy. But there's another blood that is a greater blood. And it not only equals the value of that, but every human being, all the way from Adam, all the way to the last one born, his blood is of such worth. That it atones for everybody. Are you with me now? That is the value of the blood of Jesus. It's greater than all of the wealth of the whole world. One soul, Brother Branham said, is worth 10,000 worlds. But his blood was not the blood of another man, but it was the blood of God. Now, that's why this blood is so great. It's so important. Yet, before it was shed, they had mercies of healings. Miracles were performed. Before the cross, the disciples received power to cast out devils, heal the sick, do miracles. You see, miracles can be performed and a person not be spirit-filled, not even born again. The, the Old Testament worshiper was not born again. His sins were transferred onto the innocent lamb. His sins was gone, but he was not a new creature. He was the same old sinner now, was he saved? Yes, he was saved. He was saved from his sins. Forgiven? Yes, but not born again. Yeah, they had the spirit as an anointing that came and went. It would not even dwell in them. Do you realize that it was not possible for somebody to be truly spirit-filled as we experience it today before the coming of the Holy Ghost? It was not possible before Calvary. The blood of the innocent lamb of the Old Testament could not, could not, even though it would take away sin in the senses for removing it from the east, from the west, and all these scriptures that we went through, yet the, the life of that lamb could not come back and its innocency could not come back upon the worshiper. 
So guess what happened when he got his sins forgiven? He walked out there the same old sinner he was when he came in. His same desires were there. If he, you know, if he had murderous desires, sexual desires, if he had the evil, you know, thievery desires, whatever, he went away with the same desires. His life was not changed other than his past forgiven. Now, that's where a lot of people will stand, you know, even at the judgment that they received him as Savior, but didn't go on to receive his life. Now, so, you know, but, you know, as I say, in the Old Testament, they had the Spirit as an anointing, and that Spirit would come and go. It would come and go. And that's the way it is with a lot of people. They get the Holy Spirit on them and they'll shout up and down the aisle and they'll go out and live a different life, an evil life. Was that the real Holy Spirit? Could have been. They could have, they could, Brother Branham said, you could speak in real genuine tongues and still be a devil. Moved on by the Holy Ghost. You've seen it. I've seen it. People moved and, and, and anointed and shout and everything else. Now, but even on the, in the Old Testament, this is, this is the way it was. They had, they had the Spirit as an anointing that came and went, but it couldn't dwell in them. Listen, uh, why is that? Because there was nothing under the Old Covenant that could deal with sin nature. And God's not going to live with there being two on your throne, him and the devil. Because you were born with the devil, with the serpent nature inside of you. That's how you were born. That's why I don't care how good you are as a message kid, how well you've been trained. You know how, how you've never done this. I've never smoked in my life. Well, I hadn't either. I've never drank in my life. Well, I haven't either. But, you know, but you still need salvation. You must be born again. It doesn't matter you've been a, you've been a better member of the church than the devil. Well, I, I, I doubt that. He attends more than you do. He's in every service. But let me just say, in the old covenant, the Holy Spirit could not dwell in them. Now, I, I know some protest, and let's just go through it so we don't leave any stones unturned. Because we know John the Baptist, it says he had this Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Luke 1.15, let's look at the scripture. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall be neither drink neither wine nor strong drink, but he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Let's go down to verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's look down at verse 67. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Now, this was the anointing that it came down and they were filled in the sense that they were filled in the sense to where they prophesied, they rejoiced, they, but the Holy Spirit could not come and indwell man until the supreme sacrifice, Jesus Christ, had given his life. So, so let's just look at this. 
Because the Holy Ghost cannot indwell an individual as long as sin nature is still there and the innocent life of the animal sacrifice could not come back on the worshiper. So look, let's go to John 7, verse 37. Let's just see this. Because Scripture doesn't fight Scripture, we got to just lay it down right, you know, where you, where you see it clearly. In the last day, that last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Here's the evidence of the of the Holy Ghost living out of you. It's a life gushing up out of you. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So because that Jesus was not yet glorified and ascended to heaven and sent it back, nobody could receive the Spirit until the day of Pentecost. Now, they could be anointed and they could, they, they could be like Moses, anointed by the Spirit of God and come right down and the Spirit would come and it would go. It would come and it would go. It would depart from him. It would leave him. Guess what he'd do when he'd it'd leave him? He'd lose his temper and smite the rock instead of speak to it, glorify himself and be kept out of the promised land. Guess what happened with Elijah? He gets so anointed, and the Spirit comes upon him. He walks right down there. Man, he brings a showdown between Baal and, 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 and Jehovah, and, and the, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. He turns the hearts of the children of Israel back to God again. And then what does he do? He runs out into the wilderness after killing 400 prophets. And Jezebel says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll hunt him down, I'll kill him for what he's done. And he goes running. The Spirit has left him. He gets over there somewhere God didn't even tell him to go, up to a cave somewhere. And God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I didn't tell you to come here. What are you doing here? Well, you know, but... You see, I'm running for my life because why? Jezebel said she's going to kill me. And I'm the only one. And God said, no, I got 7,000 that has not bowed their knees to Baal. You know, I, I, you're not the only one. But nevertheless, you're tired, you're weary. I'm going to take you home. Now, go and anoint Elisha in your place. And then he gives him some other instructions for his leaving. But what I'm trying to tell you is, the men would be so moved by the Holy Ghost. But then it lifts. And they go out and do things God didn't tell them to do. Now, let's come back to the New Testament for a moment. I want to establish something about Jesus. Jesus was the first of a new race. His whole purpose was that he would have more sons just like him. Now, he would be born of a new race. He would be born of the 
of the spoken word so he would be of the new creation. He was not born by sexual birth, but of the spoken word. So we can say, first of all, he is the head of the race. Everything has to come from him. He's the firstborn of every creature. Amen. Now, so let's go to John 1.29 and let's see about this firstborn. And let's see what happens to him. Now, here he is. He is born and he comes about 30 years old. And here he comes in obedience to the word to come down to be baptized by the prophet John. Now, in verse 29, the next day Jesus Jesus, or John sees Jesus coming to him and said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now, isn't this strange language? Can you imagine this is almost blasphemy to Israel? They have been told, take a lamb without blemish. But here's a man. And he's pointing out, but look, here is the true lamb. That was only typing. It was only reflecting. It would only work for a time. But look, behold, look, the lamb. Which cometh to do what? Take away the sin of the world. And this is he of whom I said, after me cometh the man that is preferred before me. For he was before me. And I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I come baptizing with water. And John bear records saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water said, the same said to me, of whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending. What's these words? And remaining on him the same as he that baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Here's the only one that can give the Spirit is the one right here that you see the Spirit descending and remaining on. Notice it wasn't coming and going. It wasn't lifted from him. And come on, immediately after that, if you read in the Bible, John, you know, Luke 4, 4, Matthew 4, 4, both of them gives you the same, the same story. What of Jesus, after his baptism, he is led to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The other says he was driven of the spirit to be tempted of the devil. So he was led and driven. Amen. God brought him. That. Listen, God was not afraid of this new birth. He would allow him not to meet a little minor devil, but Lucifer himself. Now, you know, you probably have met with tormentors in your life, but you probably, Lucifer probably hadn't been the one assigned to you, one of his imps. But coming to Jesus, Lucifer himself comes to him there in a moment where he is tempted. Now here is Eve back over here in the garden and she's tempted of what? Eating. 
And here Jesus is tempted of what? Eating. And he said, if you be, now listen, listen, every time the Spirit of God comes upon you, you remember this, when the Holy Ghost comes, the devil will still tempt you. You're not above temptation. You will be tempted in all manners, like he was. So temptation is not sin. It's yielded to temptation is sin. And Jesus would meet the devil, watch now, and the devil would question his, his birth experience. Are you with me? He would question and said, if you are the son of God. Now, God had declared by coming down. Now, let me give you this clear. Every person that ever gets the Holy Ghost gets the same experience Jesus got. Now, it may not be in the River Jordan. It may not be a prophet who said, I saw the Spirit. So, you know, but the, the heaven opens and the devil comes down and takes his abode with you. That's what happens to every person. And it is God saying, this is my son whom I am pleased to dwell in. So when the Holy Ghost comes, it is God bearing witness that you believed and your sins are gone and that he identifies himself with you, that you are his child. This is the son I love, my beloved son, the son I love. Every person that gets the Holy Ghost, this happens to him. Like I said, maybe somebody didn't see the dove. Maybe you didn't see the dove. But this is what happens. A prophet with a prophetic eye said, I saw heavens open, and I saw it come down like a dove. And here it came. It was like a light. And said, this is my beloved son. I heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son. Now, a prophet may not be standing there and witnessing to you. Now, listen. When you got baptized there, I'll tell you what happened. You know, and, and the Holy Ghost came. Well, heaven opened, and the dove came down. And I saw it. I heard it. And this is what it said. But, friends, that's what happened no matter what. Are you with me? Now, and he says in verse 33, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. I Right here, bear record, this is God's offspring. And God will do the same thing to you. He reveals himself to you. You're my child. And then you'll be led out and the devil will tempt you in every kind of manner. Come on. It did with Jesus immediately. Listen, church. Imagine feeling the precious Holy Spirit Come and dwell in you. And then have to face that ugly spirit of devil oppression. If you are a son of God. If you're really, if you really are God's child, prove it. 
But remember, Jesus didn't show off for the devil. He didn't obey the devil. You don't have to prove him nothing. You just stay with what the word said. I repented. I was baptized. He came down. He changed my life. And I don't care about his ugly breath and his bad feelings. I ain't feeling like I felt there at the River Jordan, but I'm feeling this other ugly spirit. But my feelings have changed, but God hasn't changed, and his word hasn't changed. Therefore, you stay with the word. Because full obedience to the word entitles you to the token. What does that mean? It means I repented and I was baptized in his name. And true repentance and true baptism entitles you to the token. So now, let's just see if this is true. Let's go to John 14, 16. Watch what Jesus said. I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. In other words, he would come and dwell and he would never leave you. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth and not neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So notice as long as Jesus was there, the Holy Spirit could not come. So he said, I'm going to send another comforter. And this comforter will be the Holy Ghost. And he won't just walk with you like I've walked with you. And you've had comfort with me walking among you. But now, he will be in you. Isn't that glorious, church? What a difference that makes. Oh, yeah, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful to have Jesus walking with us. Wouldn't it? To have him walking hand in hand with Jesus. I'm walking with him every day. I'm walking with him. But how much greater is it for him to to dwell in you? Come on. Because there were times that Jesus, the disciples would be sent away and Jesus on a mountain somewhere and now here comes the devil. Come on. But not in this case. You can never leave him. He can never leave you. You are sealed to the day of redemption. That's the thing with this covenant church. When the the Christ who saves you now comes in you. And he abides with you forever. Not when the first temptation comes and says if thou be. But I'll abide with you for in you forever. Now, sealed to the day of redemption. So born again is more than believing and receiving pardon. It's the life or the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, coming to dwell in in you forever. So you see there without Pentecost, man remained forever the habitual sinner with sin nature. And after slaughtering the lamb and transferring his sins, the worshiper still remained a sinner with the same sinful desires. To go into rapture, you must receive your own Pentecost. Just as Jesus received it at the River Jordan. That was his Pentecost. Understand? Where he was filled with the Spirit. And this is why the Christian life can be so frustrating is because you cannot live it or be an overcomer without the Holy Ghost. 
This is why you must diligently seek it. You see, and it'll be frustrating to you. It's like keeping the laws. You know, you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. Now, Jesus' first doctrine was you must be born again. Very first fundamental doctrine you must be born again. To be in this covenant, you got to have a new birth. There was forgiveness, so there's salvation. But God wanted more than that for you. He wanted sons, birth of his own genus. Now, Peter believed on the Lord, but he wasn't converted. Let's go to Luke 22 and verse 31. Let's see how wonderful his belief was. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thy faith fell not. Now he had faith. And when you are converted, now he's not converted. So he has faith. Strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto them, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both in prison and to death. My faith is built up. My faith is, I'll tell you what, brother, I, you know, I, I can withstand the test. And Jesus said, listen, you don't have the Holy Ghost. You're not converted. And I'll tell you what, with all of this strong belief and affirmation, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. He said, Peter, you'll deny me three times. For the, for the cock crows, that will thrice deny me that thou even knows me. So look at it. This is why, you know, you can turn your new leaf. You can vow your vow. You can say, it's, it's kind of like a marriage you know, deal. You stand up there, I'll be true to you. I'll, 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 until death do us part, and I'll be faithful. I'll, I'll, I'll be with you in sickness and health. You know, and this, all these vows you make only to be broken. Because really, you're not going to be able to keep it without the power of the Holy Ghost. So now, again, here, here he was, immediately goes and denies the Lord. Even though he has a strong faith and this strong acclamation and, and, and confession, I'll go with you even to prison and to death. And there he stands there warming his hands and are you a Galilean? No, I'm not Galilean. Oh, I believe you're one of his disciples. No, I'm not one of his disciples. Oh, yes, you are. And so he curses to prove he's not. So now, again, we know what the, the terminologies of what born again is, but we'll just watch what happened in the Bible when they were born again. Peter was a believer. The apostles were believers, but they weren't born again until after the Holy Ghost came on them at Pentecost. Now they were wondering what happened. Peter said, you men of Israel, be this known. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by signs and miracles and wonders, which God did by him who was, who was foreknown to determine that... Um, Council, uh, you took wicked hands and crucified, who God has raised up, and we're his witnesses. He shed forth for this that you do and see and hear now, and it's according to scripture. And they said, 
men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent. So that's the very first thing, repentance, turning from. Now, do you know we have the power to remit sins in this church? The Catholic Church says, uh, you know, whoever sins, the Pope remits is forgiven. So, you know, whoever's retained is retained. But, you know, we have the power. But you know what that power comes by? Repentance. Baptism. And receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the power to remit sin. Amen. This is the authority that God gave us. Listen, Brother Branham and God hiding himself in simplicity. We want you saved, friends. We want you filled. Remember, you're saved, of course, but when you accept Christ, you're saved, but you're not converted until you receive the Holy Ghost. Now, you know that. That's right. Jesus told Peter, night of betrayal, he was already saved. He said, now, after you're converted, strengthen your brethren. That's right. Oh, sure, you've accepted Christ as a Savior, but when you're converted is when you are really changed. That's right. And he wasn't changed yet. He had cursed before the Lord and denied him and everything. But after his conversion, after thou art converted, um, strengthen your brethren. That's right. That's what the scripture says. Anyhow, that makes it right. Jesus told Peter that followed him and cast out devils, done miracles and everything. You're not converted yet. But after you're converted, then strengthen your brethren. So let's just see how wonderful a confession that he has. Let's go to Matthew 16, verse 13. It's a great confession. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say, Thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. Now, Jesus affirms it is a true revelation. For he said, he answers it, blessed art thou, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. So Peter had confessed that Jesus was the Christ. Peter had even been baptized. Now, listen now. You say, but we receive the Holy Ghost when we're born again, when we believe. But the Bible said the devil believes also and trembles. You say, well, I lived a good life. Well, so had the apostles. But they wasn't converted. Now, so you see, they had cast out devils. They had healed the sick. They had preached the gospel and still were not converted. This still happens over and over and over again today. People who are never converted and yet they preach the gospel. They even have miracles happen. Without Pentecost, we have forgiveness of sins without the changing of our natures to become a new creature. And of course, For that to happen, there has to be a death of the old man. Now, Pentecost is an experience that every person must have. 
is a, pre, is a prerequisite for the rapture. Amen. It's a requirement. So, you know, today we got this organization called Pentecost. They are not, you can't organize Pentecost. Pentecost is an experience. We have Methodists in here that got it. We have Catholics in here that got it. We have Baptists that got it. We even got Pentecostals here that got it. Pentecost is experience. And if you hadn't, if you hadn't had it, you can't go into rapture. It's impossible. Now, Brother Bradham said, and I'm going to read it in this entirely, Pentecost is the experience. The Methodists give it. The Baptists get it. All of them get it. Pentecost is not organized. It's an experience. And if you haven't had the experience of Pentecost, come receive it now. Remember, if you believe me to be a servant, his prophet, remember there is a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost right in the midst of all the fanaticism. There is a genuine Holy Ghost birth, a genuine born of God. You come believe it right now. So Brother Branham tells us, if you haven't received it, get it. Now, so, so again, it will, it will make him manifest himself that he is here, that, and that the Holy Spirit that you received, as Brother Branham said, Pentecost is the only thing that is going to prove Christianity. You can't prove it by science. You can't prove it by nothing but by a Pentecostal experience. You Baptists know that, you Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever you are, and you know it takes a Pentecostal experience to prove God, and that's to each individual. It doesn't prove the organization. It proves the individual. So believing on the Lord and repentance from sin makes the promise to you. As Brother Branham tells us in Question and Answers on the Holy Ghost, Jesus in Luke 24, 49 had commissioned the apostles after they'd been saved and sanctified according to the word, justified, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, sanctified in John 17, 17, when Jesus said, sanctify them, Father, through the truth. Thy word is truth. And he was the word. Now he gave them power to heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. They came back rejoicing. Their names was on the Lamb's book of life. You remember, we went through that now, but they wasn't yet converted. Peter, Jesus told Peter the night of his crucifixion, after you are converted, strengthen your brethren. So they had been justified and sanctified. Are you with me? But now they must receive Pentecost. Now, this is the same as Moses, a prophet, a miracle worker, a lawgiver, but a man upon whom the Spirit ascended and descended, but didn't stay, didn't dwell in. In one of those moments where his temper got out of control, he sinned by exalting himself, kept him out of the promised land. What was the matter with Moses? He wasn't converted. Get this, there wasn't a converted man in the Old Testament. It's only a Pentecost you can be converted. Now, there were great prophets in the Old Testament. Let's name a few. Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. And finally, it reached the climax and ends with the greatest prophet of all, John the Baptist. He is the last prophet of the Old Testament. Yes. 
Because the Bible said the law and the prophets were until John. John's the last one. Now watch. Let's go to Matthew 11, verse 11. And here's what Jesus said about him. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Well, hey, buddy, he brought it right down to of all, all humankind. There's not been a man born among them that are born of women. There has not been a risen a greater than John the Baptist. So here he is, the greatest prophet, the greatest man. Moses would be a lawgiver. Moses would bring water from the rock. Moses would smite the Egyptians with plagues. Moses, listen, Elijah, what a great man of power. But John the Baptist, he doesn't even do miracles. But he's got a greater job. He introduces the Messiah. He says, behold the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And he's the greatest of all of them. His revelation is the greatest. Watch now. Notwithstanding. Notwithstanding. Am I reading this? How many feels like the least in the kingdom? You feel like the least? The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. With your born again experience, you are greater than Moses greater than Elijah. John was greater than them. Come on. I just read it to you in the Bible. Amen. You're greater than John. You're greater than anybody, any great prophet. You're greater than David. Come on now. Greater is he that is in you than what David was. You know, David did his exploits. They did their exploits, but greater is he that is in you. Amen. Than any of them in the Old Testament. The least. The smallest one. The newborn child. I'm talking about them to the kingdom. Just born again. Newly born again. You are greater than any of them. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it sets you apart. They were of the old creation. You are of a new creation. You are of a brand new species. Hallelujah. Listen, when, when they come out of the upper room, the devil had never seen people like this. Other than Jesus Christ. And he thought he had killed him and done away with him. And he done went away back into heaven and he's gone. But on the day of Pentecost, here comes 120 just like him, born of the same spirit. Hallelujah. And if Moses could cast him out under the blood of bulls and goats, what can you do under the blood of Jesus Christ, the least in the kingdom? Your prayers shake hell. Your prayers shake heaven. Your prayers prevail. Though you're the least in the kingdom, don't underestimate yourself. You are the blood washed, blood bought, sons and daughters of the living God, filled with the Spirit, indwelled deity, God living in you. Hallelujah. Great. 
greater. Now, until you receive the Holy Ghost, you're believing unto eternal life. But when the Holy Ghost comes in, it is eternal life. You can never perish. You have passed from death unto life. Now, it's kind of like this. You know, Brother Branham would liken it in 59 and also 64 in his question and answers. He would, he would liken it to a conception in the womb. You got a little baby born in the womb. And when I say born, I mean conceived. It may be just a little tiny bit of faith. But it's a start. Now, this is what Brother Branham told us in the 59 series of the Holy Ghost. He said, now, you've got to protect the woman, the church, because she's pregnant with children. All right? And you watch now, he said, Satan will attack the church to destroy those that are just conceived in the womb. This is what he does when he brings trouble in this church. Brings questions, brings doubting, you know, accusations against the ministry, accusations against the, the, the church, and, you know, all this. Yeah, that's Satan. Be careful what you're anointed with is Satan. Because what he wants to do, he said, you have to protect the woman who's expected with child from the hard bruises of Satan. So when someone falls away, let's say supposedly a stalwart Christian, those that are truly born again, it's not going to kill them. Who's it going to kill? Those little ones that are just conceived in the womb. She'll miscarry. Who will it discourage? You know, who will you bicker and you're fighting, you're fussing, you're arguing, you're, you know, your, your little feelings against who you're going to kill? You're going to kill those young that are in the womb of the church. And you're going to be responsible. You know, I, I know there's some of you right here where I went up and, and spoke at a church just before a major, major split. It was a, become a very horrible thing. But that spirits was already working. And I stood there and I told them, I said, listen, you know, you're going to give an account to God for every soul, every person, every person that is wounded and hurt because the church will get hurt and it'll abort the baby. You'll cause a miscarriage from this hard bruise. And it'll be the young that are hurt. Now, again, you're because why? You're begotten. Of the Spirit, Brother Branham said it's sanctification, but never, never born of the Spirit until the Holy Ghost comes. So uh, let me just say, until the Holy Ghost comes, until the breath of life enters in, you are still in danger of being aborted. Never coming to life. This is why it's so important. To grow and come on all the way to a new birth. And what I'm saying, I'm talking about growing through sanctification. I don't mean you evolved to get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a birth. It's not an involvement. Uh, you know, an involving, it's, the, it's a birth. It's a life that comes into you. Now notice, so you have the baby's got the, 
life in the womb of the mother. Little muscles are quivering in his life. But it's a different life than what breathes the breath of life. When it breathes the breath of life into his nostrils, then it becomes a living soul. So you see, again, sanctification is a cleansing. It's a preparation of life. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it is life. Preparation is cleansing the vessel, and the Holy Ghost is filling the vessel. Sanctification means cleanse and set aside for service. The Holy Spirit puts it in service. You are that vessel that God cleaned up. Now, let's just go to Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. Let's just see some believers here. I just, I'm going to nail down this part, and then we'll have communion. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? And everybody say, Since you believed. Now, they were believers, but they hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Ghost. I really don't know how they were in the message, and that was the message. Come on. They had recognized John. He was Elijah. Here was promised the Messiah, and here somehow or another, they miss his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and coming again. I mean, the very reason that John was sent to be a prophet was to identify the Messiah and they missed the whole message yet were believers that God had sent a prophet. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you you say, how could that be? Because, you see, the whole dispensation was being blinded as the eyes of the Jews were blinded and the, and the Gentiles were coming in. So there was great blindness, a darkness in that age taking out the light. Now we're here over at the last day and people can recognize God sent Malachi 4. Luke 17, 30. God sent a prophet. We got a message. And miss. Miss the highlight of my entire ministry. What was the highlight of John's ministry? Introducing the Messiah. And here I am. I'm introducing to you the Messiah, the token, the Holy Ghost. It's come again in the evening time. They haven't had it in the times past. They've had the lamb kept up. But now it's evening time and wrath is about to strike. And you must have the token. And I'm saying, look. The lamb, take his blood and apply it. And they miss it. Totally miss it. Why? Because in that kind of darkness, they even crucified their Messiah. They got so confused, they crucified the Lord of glory. And Paul said, had they had known it, they would not have done it. And Laodicea is going to be the same way. Listen, Brother Branham tells us the closing out. If you read the Laodicean age, he will tell you 
I'm talking about as he preached it in the sermons of the Revelation of Jesus Christ series. If you could take the Laodicean age, Brother Branham tells you the reason why that the Jewish dispensation um, faded out and went out into darkness was because they made fun of Pentecost. They mocked and they made fun of it and they blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And when they did, they were sent into outer darkness into 2,000 years of tribulation. Well, we don't have 2,000 years of tribulation for the Gentiles. There's three and a half years coming. But this is exactly what's happening in this day and hour. Pentecost is being rejected. And when it's rejected and mocked, and made fun of and ridiculed and denied, guess what happens? To tribulation you go. Brother Branham tells you in that sermon, he said, it's Jesus with dirty feet, the unwelcome Christ. He comes right back around and he comes right back to the, the, he said, the, the olive branch was cut off that the wild would be grafted in. But now we come to the end of the Gentiles and now the Gentiles, the wild branch is being cut off and the original olive branch, the Jews being brought back in. What happened? They rejected Pentecost. The token. They made fun of those drunk in the spirit. They mocked it and said it's some kind of new wine. They rejected it because we have a lamb. And our lamb, we've been justified by faith, by believing. Let's go on. So let's look at this. They missed the whole point. Going back to Acts 19. And he said unto them, Unto them were you baptized. Well, tell me about your works. Well, we got baptized unto John's baptism. All right? And so then he says, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Look at verse 3 now. And he, and he said, well, how were you baptized? And then he said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So I want you to notice the Holy Ghost came and it was an experience. Now, we don't care if you prophesy, if you speak in tongues, just so something happens and your life is changed. That's what we're looking for. Amen? We're not looking for a certain evidence. If it was, then we'd have to do both of these because they've spoken tongues and prophesied. But anyway, let's go on. The Holy Ghost comes after believing. Ephesians 1.13, in whom you also trust in, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Notice, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When? After you believed. So it starts out with hyssop, but it's got to be dipped into the blood and applied. 
It's not enough just to have it in a bucket in your house. It's got to be applied. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. I want to cover this real close. What's this? Let's see about believing and, and receiving the word because today it has been so commonly taught. Just believe the message. You got the Holy Ghost. If you, if you believe it with all your heart, you got the Holy Ghost. You know, because that's the real evidence. You believe the message. All right? Let's just see. Let's just see this. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. So they see the vindication. They see Christ preached. They see he's a living Christ. And they give heed for unclean spirits crying out, crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. And there was a certain man called Simon, who before time in the same city used sorcery, which the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. What's next? And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them was sorcery. And when they had believed Philip, now get this, believed, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, this is as far as some of our missionaries are taking people, believing and baptized, teaching the doctrine of the message. Serpency, predestination, you believe that? Oh, yeah, are we, you know, okay, well, now, baptism in Jesus' name, okay, get baptized. And that's where they leave them. Right there. Watch, this is where they had come. Philip had brought them this far with miracles, signs, wonders, vindication with the word he was preaching. He had baptized them. And look even here, Simon himself believed also. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Simon believed. And he was baptized. And he continued with Philip, wondered, beholding the miracles and signs that were done. Now when the apostles were, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. I want you to get this. They received the word. They had believed and were baptized. Believed, baptized, received the word. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds complete, don't it? What's now? Who when they, they sent, when they, they heard that they received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was falling upon none of them, even though they had believed and were baptized, and it heard the word. What? He had fallen upon none of them, only that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the, that is the status of many around the message today. They've come that far. 
Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And after that, then Simon is called out as being a child of the devil. Come on. Even though he had believed and was baptized, he's still a child of the devil. Amen. He had not received the Holy Ghost. He had really not ever even come to true repentance. He wanted miracles and signs and have that without a converted life. And many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name? And he'll say to me, then depart from iniquity. I never knew you. You know, we've had, we have made this into a profession of faith. I believe the message. Well, brother, if you believe the message, you got the Holy Ghost. I, I talked with a pastor here recently, pastors, a large church over, overseas. And he, and, and he said, Brother Tim, talk to this brother. He's, a, he's got marriage trouble, and I can't, I can't get to the root of his problem. I can't help him, seem like. And I, I keep telling him, you know, you need to grow up in Christ. And, you know, you need to, to, to have some spiritual growth. And he says, Brother Tim, you know, he's uh, been untrue to his marriage vow. And he's even done homosexual acts. I said, but brother, I said, you don't need me to talk to him. You need to tell him he needs to be born again. He needs the Holy Ghost. That's what he needs. And he says to me, but Brother Tim, he has the Holy Ghost. I said, no, he doesn't have the Holy Ghost. He believes the message, Brother Tim, and has been baptized. I said, he don't have the Holy Ghost. If your nature isn't changed, I don't care what your profession of faith is. The nature has to be changed. You know, uh, again, I've had conversations with prodigals who wonder, why don't it work for me? They look at others as they see as a model Christian and long to have a Christian life too, but uh, it's just not for me. I believe the message, Brother Tim. I believe everything you preach. Well, believing is a good start, but it's not enough. Listen, the theme of ever apostles was have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That was the theme of the Bible. That was the theme of the book of Acts. You will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. They had power to cast out devils before, but this power was to live an overcoming life and cast out devils. Are you with me? Amen. You see, again, there, there is so many that come up to that part and they, they say, well, I have this uncertain sound, Brother Bradham called it. Listen, if you'll confess with your lips that Jesus is a Christ, take him and, and take him, you'll receive the Holy Ghost because the minute you believe that Jesus is a Christ, you have the Holy Ghost. That's an uncertain sound. Well, why are people taking this uncertain sound? Because the devil is doing everything he can to keep you out of the new birth. And he'll even let you go to a message church. He'll even let you believe the message. As long as you don't get the token. Here's how Brother Brandon felt about it. 
He says, applied church, don't fail. Don't, 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 don't let the sun set. Don't, don't, don't rest day or night. Don't take no chance. It won't work, children. It won't work. You must have the token. You say, yeah, I believe, yeah, I go, yeah, I believe the message. That's all right. That's good. But you must have the token. You hear Branham Tabernacle? You must have the token displayed. Without it, all your believing is in vain. You'll live a good life. You'll listen to what the Word says. You'll go to church. You'll try to live right. That's fine, but that's not it. When I see the blood, that's the token. Minister, good man, moral man, whatever you are, you know that God's taking cigarettes from you. Listen to this. Women, you know he's taking shorts and short hair and everything from you. You know he did that. And then you turn around and do despite and count the blood of the covenant as a holy, unholy, unholy thing who sanctified and brought you this far like the spies that they come up right to the borderline and they looked over and said, well, I know it's there, but the obstacle's too great. We look like grasshoppers. They perish in the wilderness, borderline believers. Don't just come this far and say, I believe the message. You obey the messenger. Come into Christ. So I believe every word you said, every word said, Brother Branham, that's good, but that's just being able to read. Take the message. Take it in your heart that you must have the token. The very life of Christ must be in you. Now I'm going to just read you some snippets. I'm just taking these phrases out. Because Brother Branham, this is all from the token. He shows the need of the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because listen to me, good people, good people are going to miss the rapture. Stop a minute. You've seen good people that were deacons, stalwart Christians, preachers, good people lived a good life and come up and reach a point and fall away. I don't want to get at the gate and say, you don't have the token. I don't want you to miss it. That's why I will go over this and come through it with you. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to be there. Heaven was made for you. Hell was not made for you. Now listen, these are snippets. Good people are going to miss a rapture because of a lack of a supernatural. So listen, though you've done these things, watch. I'm just going to, I went through the token message and just pulled out these snips. Not our membership in churches. Stop right there. The devil don't care you belong to Evening Light Tabernacle. You are not safe from the death angel. Death angel will come right in here, walk right down the horse rider. Death will come right in here, ride right, right into this church and pull you out. So not our membership in churches, though you were baptized. You know God took cigarettes from you. Women, you know he's taking shorts and short hair and everything from you. Show me where I ever stole anything or was ever in the court of law. I've never been a bad person. 
Show me where I ever committed adultery. I give my body to be burned as a sacrifice. That's how much I believe it. Give all my goods to feed the poor. So I pay my tithes. I, 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 you know, I, I do all, all these works. Watch this. Not our understanding of the Bible. Not how much you know about the Bible. Though you join, no matter how much you can explain the Bible. You might be a Bible student. I'm still quoting. You might say, I'm a believer. You might say, you might say, you say, I'm a scholar. I do this, that, or the other. He don't care how much a scholar you are. The devil is one too. No matter, you may have preached the gospel. You might have cast out devils. You might have spoke with tongues. You might have shouted, danced in the spirit. I have faith to move mountains and so forth and speak in tongues like men and angels. Many times you've jumped up and down, speak in tongues, dance in spirit. You might feel good, jump up and down. You say, I was a good person, Brother Branham. Others may testify of you. I don't care what anybody else says. You can't beat that man. I've never seen him do anything wrong in my life. That don't have that, don't have that to do with God. It's one requirement, that alone. You might be sanctified, being good, in other words. No matter how good the person was, might have been a Bible student, might be any kind of good church member, might be a good person, might be a denominational head, might be the hierarchy of Rome. Doesn't matter what you are, how good you are, how many churches you join, how many good things you've done. Bible student, student, good person, church member doesn't mean a thing. Maybe your father's a preacher. Maybe your mother's a saint. Well, my son is a preacher. Your mother say, I have got the best boy or the best girl. I'll tell you, there's the sweetest thing. They've been filled with the Spirit and such love. They're obedient. I've never seen such. What about you, mama? My mother is the sweetest thing. I know if she dies, she's going to heaven because she's really got the token, Brother Bradham. But what about you, sis? Not our membership in churches, not our understanding of the Bible, not how much you know about the Bible. Though you're baptized and you've done all these things like that, that still ain't the token, the Holy Ghost. Remember, the covenant blood is not recognized without the token. You say, well, I've been sanctified from things. That's not the token. It's the Spirit that is the token, the Spirit of Christ on you. That is the identification. So now, you know, I just went through. I mean, Brother Brandon would labor this over and over. It isn't your goodness. It isn't a church membership. It, it isn't, um, I, I, I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I, 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 I treat the neighbor right now. I, I, those are all good and important. And yes, I believe a Christian will exhibit that. I believe they'll even be a good church member. They'll go to church. They'll pay their tithes. They'll do a lot of, all of these things, but you must have the token. You must, you believe like Brother Branham said, and, and he told about how that your birth is a paradox or a miracle. Every one of you with the Holy Ghost is a miracle. Amen. And you see why something happened to you for you to be a miracle. 
And unless it happens, you can't be a Christian. It must be a paradox for you to become a Christian. You know, where God changes the spirit of the man, gives him a new birth. For out of that, outside of that, nothing works. God alone can do that. It's a miracle that God can change a man's thinking, his ways, his life, and change it from what it was to what it can be when he makes it. Notice this. He gives an illustration. I believe he illustrates what happened. was called about a boy in his own church. Now here he's raised in the church. He was going with a fine boy, a fine girl I meant. He was out of a fine family. And there was an issue came with him and a girl that he just walked away and he did something wrong and he couldn't apologize like a gentleman should. And the mother and father called him, said, Brother Branham, we'd like to know, we'll know what's wrong with our boy. And he says, the boy was a Christian as far as a believer. He had repented and been baptized and had his position among believers, yet had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit no matter how much he thought he had. You thinking you're having and having is two different things. You might try, be able to try to say you have, you might be able to show some evidence of some emotion, but unless your life is vindicating what you're professing to have, you still haven't got it. No matter how much emotions, how much you jump or run or sensation, speaking in tongues, shouting, you, or whatever you may lay upon it, it's all right. I believe in that too, but unless your life copes with your testimony, then you haven't got it. You got to show, manifest the fruits of the Spirit. So Brother Branham goes to his, his genes and he says, now, you know, naturally, you're born between a, an Irishman and a German. This German family, there's a strain in that family. They can't say, I'm sorry. They can't repent. They, they will look at you and not even talk to you. You know, they, they just stare at you. You know, you can try to talk to them. Now, on the other hand, the, the father is an Irishman. And there he's moody and high-tempered and high-strung. And his whole family is like that, except for one other brother or one other person in the family. And the mother and the father are both Christians filled with the Holy Ghost, and they brought up this young man in the way of the Lord. Now he's about 18 years old and, and a fine kid, been a real model boy at home, a model kid. And, and, he, and, you know, the, the mother's family is, she, their family being of the German, they, they won't ask for forgiveness or ask for pardon. And he says, the other is high-tempered and moody and whatever. And he said, the genes of this mother and father of this boy, no matter how much they are converted, still remains in the flesh that's been interbred into this boy. Now, get this. You can take two Holy Ghost-filled people and you still birth unconverted children. And even though your life has been changed and her life has been changed, those genetics come right on down within that unconverted heart. Are you with me? Now, and he said, now, you look at your family. On this side, they're all drunks, fighting, shooting, cutting. And then, you know, and then, mother, look at your family. 
There are a bunch of people that sit there, won't speak, very independent, irreverent to religion. You know, won't, you know, won't, won't apologize, can't repent. So, but not you. You're one of, of all your siblings. You're sweet and kind and forgiving. What does that? What does it? Yet you're part of that family tree. Yet you've had a paradox, a miracle that bred out the genes and changed you into a new creature. And you are no longer of the old creation, but you're of a new creation. You're a brand new species. And guess what? Though that you inherited all of these bad traits, now they're all canceled out through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you have the nature of your father, which is God's nature. Hallelujah. That's why you can overcome when your siblings could not overcome, but yet you can overcome. Why? Because a miracle, a paradox took place in you of the baptism of the Holy Ghost that bred out all the call. Amen. You got family members that can't believe, that can't repent. They will keep doing all of this. They drink and they, they dope and they ever adulterize. But you're different. Why? A miracle took place. A birth took place. A miracle of a birth. And you're a new creature, a new species. And they look at you and say, why aren't you like us? And you can't be like them. Because you've been changed. Something made you tender and sweet. It's not your, it's not your genes from your old, your first birth. It's Christ that lives in you. Amen. So you're no more what you are. It's Christ in you. So the father raises up and said, but Brother Brandon, my son went to the altar. He was baptized correctly in the name of Jesus Christ. Water baptism in the Pope. I know my son has come to Christ. See, he's done all the outward things. I said, that might be all right. All the outward emotions. Emotions. He might be identified as a believer with the believers. But until he's regenerated, born again, I'd advise that young man to never marry a woman because he'll make hell on earth for her until that gentle, sweet, forgiving spirit of Christ comes in. Then it would be a paradox himself to take that very nature of a boy that's bred between father and mother and yet in his intellectuals, he's doing, trying his best to overcome it and he can't do it. He will never overcome it. Christ will have to overcome it and when he lets Christ in, then he's already overcome then. It'll be a perfect paradox when a man is born of the Spirit of God. That's what we're looking for. That's what you want. That's what you want. You want to apply the token, the life of Jesus Christ, and it take out and breathe out by the new birth, give you a whole new genealogy. Now we don't look back to what our mother did and our father did and what our grandfather did. I don't care. You might have been illegitimate born. Your father never claimed you or you never knew him. It doesn't really matter what kind of birth situation you had. Amen. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus that has bred out all the call and you got an abstract all the way back to Calvary that your debt is paid in full and 
you are a son and daughter of God and more than a conqueror through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Let the musicians come. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad that God bred all the Pruitt and Middleton out of me. I'm so glad he took that old nature, washed it in the sea of forgetfulness, gave me a nature like his. Oh, you say, well, I can't help but be that way. That's right. Until you're born again, you can't. And then once you're born again, you can't help but be a Christian. That's who you are. Why don't you just ask God this morning, Lord, I might have been born this or that. I might be Italian or German or I might be African or Asian or whatever you are. But Lord, I know I would just surrender the old, die to it and be born anew. Let the life of Christ live out in me. I want to, don't want just outward emotions. I want to know that day you shall know that I'm in the Father, I in you and you in me. You can know. Say, so Lord, I, I want that blessed assurance. Let the death angel pass. Father, take these words today. As we sing a couple of songs and then we'll go into communion and foot washing. Lord, I pray that you'll bless your people today. They've sat as I've labored, as I've tried to break it down as simply as I know how. I know there will be some that sit here, maybe they've been Christians a long time, born again, so well, I didn't even need a sermon like this. But somebody had to listen to that while they got saved. Lord, the most important thing that we can do as a church is give birth to the Word of God, to see sons and daughters born. That should be our life, our desire as a church to be impregnated with the life of God and bring forth children. I ask you'll bless us today in your presence now. In Jesus' name. Search me, O oh God, and
was wounded for our transgressions. We're going to go into the communion service this morning. I trust your hearts are ready and prepared to have fellowship with the Lord. If you're not able to come to the table today, the deacons will bring it down to you.